Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 111. 111. 111. 111. 111. What's that in bingo? What? What's the bingo number for 111? Is that the thing? Is oh, uh, bingo. Is isn't it? 100 Legs. No, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't think... Does bingo cards don't, don't go know, up to 111, do they? Do know. they? I don't know why it came into my head. We keep going, what are the bingo calls? And we've never learned them. We've no, never learned them. Never played bingo. Who knows? It's not known in the true crime circles for people shouting bingo calls while murdering people, but... Uh, well, you're in for a treat then, aren't you, this week? <laughs> Is there a murder in a bingo hall? Bingo hall oh. murder. Oh, that'd be a good one. Oh, we've got to find one. People, people, write it. Don't do it, but write it. Uh, find it for us. We should murder do it. with those stampy pens. Someone called out bingo before you got there. <laughs> I can imagine the rage of some pissed up <laughs> pensioners. pensioners. <laughs> I mean, this is the stuff great miniseries Absolutely. are made of. How are you, Nick? Oh, I'm going to Netflix. <laughs> yeah. You got big right, plans. Writing this up as we speak. You have your pre cocktail cocktail. My pre cocktail cocktail cocktail. How many have you had? Some. Some. <laughs> oh, oh, that's never a good answer. One or two, and then someone is holding someone's hair back over the toilet, aren't they? After that, it becomes a cry of help, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking as your pre cocktail well, cocktail? I've had, I had, I had, I had. Oh, this is not going to go well. Oh, dear. We shouldn't have had them. Um, <laughs> I started with an Alaska, nice and sharp and zingy. Zingy, but it's got zingy. the uh, it's got the twigs in it. It's got it? the yellow twigs. Oh, the... Gin, yellow twigs. That's it. Oh, oh, really oh. cold. It's Lovely. like yellow snow. No, no, it's not. It is now. And now I've moved on to a bijou. A bijou. No, you do I like a bijou. Yeah, I had one last week as well. I hadn't had one for ages. And what's in a bijou again? You have gin. Yeah. You have red vermouth. Yeah. You have the green twigs. Yeah. And some orange bitters. Ooh. And stary, stary, stary. Yeah. Drinky, drinky, drinky. Glubby, glubby, glubby. Folly, folly, folly. <laughs> <laughs> Bodes well for a yeah, podcast. absolutely. You also made me a mystery drink. What, uh, is, what, is, what is the drink? I don't know. You've had this drink before? You uh, like I this have? drink? Oh, okay. Uh, what is it, is it? Is it a Martinez? It is a Martinez! Yay! Well done. Points for Sinead. Not kidding. Panicked. Panicked <laughs> there. And just say, say a bloody drink, Nick will but kill you. But you went, you knew in your mind. You got it right. And it is most delicious. A lovely Martinez. Oh, no, you know what, Nick? I mean, if people are interested in a Martinez, there might be a little video of that coming out on the old uh, Patreon soon. A little demonstration of a Martinez. Any poisoning? this week mm, I had to ponder this one ah yes I poisoned a Martinez for you made me write two episodes in a row <laughs> <laughs> full disclosure people <laughs> normally Nick and I alternate the episodes each week tis only fair 
Tis only fair. Tis fair, yes. Tis fair doing it that way, isn't it? Tis yes. fair doing it this way. Uh, you don't want to tug at this thread, Nick. Because... I really don't know. No, 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 no. <laughs> it'll unravel very quickly. It's going to be another Nick episode this week. I'm going to go back to writing next week. I had a hell of a week, people. You had a jolly time in podcast land. I was in podcast land, yes. I was very busy. Many work deadlines. And then Nick very kindly offered and said, you want me to do the episode this week? And I went, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> writing it and then editing it. And then it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot, lot of work. Hence all of the cocktails are yes. laid out. <laughs> well, speaking of poisoning your friends' drinks and enjoying videos about how to make cocktails, I think it's time for us to thank our delicious new Patreon subscribers. Yes, indeed we should. So thank you very much this week to, to Mr. Toasters. <laughs> I like your name, sir. Well done. Very good, sir. To 78 Toast Raccoon. Uh, to Kayla Bigelow. To Jen. And finally to Amber Miner. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, all you lovely, sexy Patreon subscribers. There was a theme going there was, on there. There was a toast thing going on there for a while. Two toast-based people in a row. I like toast. I may need some toast after this. You will definitely will need definitely toast need after toast. this. <laughs> Thank you, delicious Patreon subscribers. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to have extra episodes every week from the Poisonous Cabinet, including bonus content such as videos and also bloopers, outtakes, you can join us for but $5 or £4 a month. Completely flexible and it's good. It's great. <laughs> it's great. We're, we're 93 episodes mm. or something mad. Nearly 100 episodes. And you get access to the full back catalogue yeah. when you sign up. Well, Nick. Hello. Ah, you're ready. God, no. To drink cocktails and talk about poison. That's a, it's a curious, curious accent you've got going on there. Or mm. we could drink some poison. <laughs> talk about cocktails. You've been listening to Old Gods of Appalachia just a bit too much. <laughs> I wish I could do that guy's voice. It's oh. a good voice. I like it. No, if I did the Old Gods from Appalachia voice, which is a great podcast, people listen to it if you haven't found it already. No, you'd be terrified. You'd be crying. I would be it's, crying. It's yeah. terrifying. <laughs> but what's it going to be, Nick? What's uh, it I, be? I, would like a, I would like a story. Since I wrote a story, I would like to tell it. <laughs> You would like a story. You would like you telling it. I would it. like me telling it. They're the best type of stories. They're me stories. <laughs> Let's go with the first one. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Nick's story this week. Again, double whammy, people. Uh, but of course, we can't, we, can't, we can't possibly have a story without more cocktails in hand. Every week, dear listeners, as you know, we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell. And it will flavor our cocktail of the week. Nick's story, so his pick. And this week's secret ingredient is... Some lovely, lovely peaches. Peaches. Everyone loves a peach. Oh, everybody does love a peach. Everyone loves a peach. Does it, does anyone not love a peach? Oh, quite. I haven't had a peach for a long time. It's not. A, it's not a fruit that I will go. Oh, I'm gonna have a peach. Yes, it's not. Dare I venture that in the UK, it's not a hand fruit, but we put it in a lovely crumble Ooh, or in a tart. Yes. That's very nice. But yeah, yeah, you don't just pick up a peach like you would an apple. No. Or, or an orange or something like that. And go, Maybe a nectarine. A good way of peaches. Yes. Grill it on the barbecue. Oh, yes. And a nice scoop of vanilla ice cream. Absolutely. A bit of honey. Bit of honey. Mm. Oh, honey. A little some maple nuts, syrup. Some nuts for a bit of crunch. You're doing the hand you gesture. Are, I, I, I don't do my hands. <laughs> Demerara sugar. A, oh, exactly. You want oh. a bit of texture. But it's texture. texture. Oh. But we're not having that. Oh, I take no, it. I want that. Can we have some grilled Go peaches? Go <laughs> Drizzled in Malibu. <laughs> So with peaches, I'm mm. thinking a certain variety of peach drink, which is famous. The older peach snaps could figure. Could, yeah, I was wondering what you're going with them. Yes, but you're absolutely right. We are going down the peach snaps route. Well, I'm excited because peach is d- delicious, proper ingredient and makes for a lovely drink. Sometimes quite sweet, but mm. I trust you, Nick. I trust you to come wow. up with something delicious. 
So this week we're gonna have we're gonna have a peach tea. A peach tea. A peach tea. <gasps> oh my! It I feel like a southern belle. Well, quite. Well, quite. I'm gonna fan myself <laughs> out in the veranda, have a have cool peach tea, as I welcome my gentleman callers. <laughs> Don't act like you wouldn't be at the top of the stairs in a fabulous gown. (laughs) (laughs) I would with with an umbrella and indoors, indoors, absolutely. Just play along, (laughs) Senator. So good of you to ride into town. (laughs) It's my walk in Petunia. (laughs) (laughs) A lovely peach tea. I don't know why we're making this southern, and also why we're being desperately offensive to many, many people. Many, many, many people. We're very, very sorry. (laughs) Yes, we're having a peach tea. Peach tea, delicious. Okay, I'm excited. Wow. Well, I think it is time for some tea for Nick, definitely. I think it is time for us to hop into the poisoner's cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. Oh, Nick, got a peach tea peach on the tea. go. Yeah. Now, this is very pretty, but it looks like a long drink with some ice. Bit of ice going on there. Don't normally have that. We don't. No, this is true. Mm. No, so I've moved back from the spirit forward drinks. Which I think something. is wise Which for you I, I right now. I think it's absolutely wise. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, a clinky a drink. Clinky. You will hear the clinking through the story, everyone. But yeah, it looks like a nice iced tea kind of variety. Yeah. Oh, I'm intrigued. Okay, so, well, down Merry, the hatch. Merry Let's Christmas. give it a go. Oh, you can really smell and taste the peach. You really can, actually. Wow. That's intriguing. That really does taste like an iced tea, like a peach iced tea. That's very pleasant. That's really refreshing. You get a hint of the alcohol at the end, Mm. if you see what I mean. You know, you you, you put forward taste and then middle and then sort of right and the aftertaste has got a hint of alcohol to it. That's dangerous. Well, yeah, it's very dangerous. I can imagine that being a fantastic summary drink sitting in the garden oh god yeah and just drinking buckets of that and then at the end of the evening not being able to walk on wondering why, <laughs> <laughs> why whatever you've done there actually you've made some sort of alcoholic peach tea <laughs> that's, that's that's going into the into the summer repertoire i feel symphony of flavors mm. for the ears and for the mouth oh i'm pleased with that i'm very pleased with that oh lordy lordy <laughs> i'll never be poor or thirsty again <laughs> so talk us through it Someone on the social, I can't remember which one it was, made a comment that peaches go incredibly well with bourbon. And they are wow. absolutely, absolutely right. Ooh. So this is a peach tea. We have peach snaps. Yes, absolutely. Of but we have bourbon. <gasps> so we have the peach and bourbon. We have a bit of Cointreau Ooh. in there as well. So a bit of an orangey twang. Less than the other two ingredients, but yeah. a bit of Cointreau. And then a, black, a cold black tea. So it's oh. just, I brewed up some English breakfast tea. Leave it to let it go cold. And it works really well. And that's it. Just four things. Stary, stary, stir. Bit of ice. Lovely. Oh, that's dangerous, though. Yeah. Because you is. listed far more spirits in there that I thought were yeah, in there. <laughs> so you've got an ounce of the bourbon, an ounce of peach schnapps, half of Cointreau, and then one and a half of the tea. All stirred with ice and then poured over ice to serve. So Ooh. as you get, as you drink through it, it's going to get diluted. It's going to get weaker. Oh, that is marvellous. I can imagine that in a big pitcher. Yes, in yes. A big, in a big pitcher or a big punch bowl or something like that. And these um, are ingredients that you're probably going to have. Well, uh, you know, yeah. the old peach snaps, put it to elegant use, people. And, and it's not an expensive drink Oh, either. God, no. Oh, I'm, I'm very pleased with that. I would worry for the hangover. Delicious drink, peach snaps, not the cleanest and purest of the alcohols. I mean, there is a place for every alcohol, people. I no, I, I, I disagree with that. I think if you buy decent stuff, yeah? it's going to be. If you get sort of supermarket own cheap this is 
5.99 peach schnapps it's full of chemical flavorings and all that sort of stuff lots you, of sugar lots of sugar if you buy decent i mean i must admit this is not decent peach <laughs> <laughs> what i've got is the the, the, the supermarket Ooh, shit, up on your soapbox um, you were there but, no, but if you if you can get the stuff i think there's nothing mm. wrong with a peach schnapps if it's a if it's a decent yeah quality one try not to go for the cheapest cheapest it's the same with any spirits though isn't yeah it? so yeah it's the same with off, wine it's the same with wine it's the same with gin it's anything you get the cheapest 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 stuff it's not going to taste very nice and it's going to leave you with a blinding hangover yeah. because of all the crap that's in it spend a bit more on something and you'll need to drink half as much this that concludes our part of the exactly. cost of living crisis <laughs> yeah, I, know. I was just thinking that for me and me and my uh, absolutely buy the most expensive one it's lovely i've got loads of cash buy all this stuff no i can't hit my home no, but i, I have now. lovely schnapps well we have our peach teas firmly in hand fanning ourselves on a rocking chair on a veranda it is a lovely day we have got a lovely drink is it time for a story Nick? it most certainly is Woohoo! most most certainly slight trigger warning with this story it does go to dark places about domestic situations if i if i were to say the name buck ruxton to you what what sort of character would that conjure up i'm thinking a a rugged man i'm thinking someone who is uh, is an outdoorsy sort you know tough and rough and tumble sort of person i don't know i don't know how he likes it no i agree i entirely agree so when i first read this name i was absolutely i thought this is going to be some swaggering probably american tough guy yeah it turns out entirely wrong no 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 oh Um, and as i read through the story of buck ruxton (laughs) he turns into someone quite quite different turns out that buck ruxton was born buckter richestomi hataj hakim good good and and was born nowhere near the great plains of america but they are great but they are great was born in bombay in india oh okay 1999 born into a very wealthy middle class family but for the sake of my sanity though we will stick with buck ruxton now buck has a very respectable upbringing um he's very intelligent and he has received a first class education by his early teens he has already decided that he is going to be a doctor this is what he wants in life. Ah. This is what he is going to achieve. His family are delighted by this Ooh. doctor in the family. How very fancy. And they support his ambition wholeheartedly. Encourage their son who goes on to study medicine at Bombay University, where he eventually qualifies in 1922. He then goes on to study surgery as well. Marvellous, marvellous surgeon. He's, 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 well, he's trained. He's a trained <laughs> surgeon. Now, as was the style of the time um, in India, Buck's parents are very keen to see their son wed. All the grandchildren who want the grandchildren. Yay. And they have arranged a delightful match with Motibal Jingalij Gahadli. And the, the two do indeed marry. Now, the marriage is not an entirely successful one. No, we should not, be shocking. Not entirely successful. And when in 1926 he is given the opportunity to go and study in London, hmm. he jumps at the chance. <laughs> oh, Absolutely, yes. <laughs> he leaves his wife in India, packs his bags, oh. off he goes. When he arrives in England, he conceals all evidence of his, his marriage. Apart from one occasion in 1928 when he contacts his father-in-law to ask for money. Now, he, when he's in London, he studies relatively briefly at University College in london before moving to edinburgh in 1927 and there he works towards obtaining a fellowship at the royal college of surgeons very fancy very fancy fancy. it is while he's in scotland that it becomes apparent that the name buktar rushtomji hanja hakim Mm. is not perhaps the easiest for westerners 
um, to deal with, as I'm ably demonstrating. <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, he is very determined to fit in. And so he changes his name. Ah. And he changes his name to Buck Ruxton. I'm not sure, I'm still not sure how much he would fit it in with the name Buck <laughs> Ruxton. Now, while he is in Edinburgh, he becomes acquainted with a 26-year-old, Isabella Van Es, <laughs> um, who manages a cafe um, in the city. Now, when they met, Isabella was actually married to another man, a Dutchman, with whom she had a whirlwind romance. The marriage had only lasted a matter of weeks um, before they had separated. Um, <laughs> and, and she eventually goes back to using her maiden name of Kerr rather than Van S. But the two do begin a relationship. They begin courting. Um, and when Buck eventually returns to London in 1928, Isabella goes with him. The following year, Isabella gives birth to the couple's first child, a daughter named Elizabeth. But soon enough, Buck, he, he does start to grow restless in London. He has got various jobs. He's working as a doctor as assistants or as a locum filling in here and there but this is not where he wants to be he wants to be his own man he wants to have his own practice so he decides that to progress his career he needs to get out of london there's far too much competition going on around here so in the 1930s the ruxtons relocate from london to lancaster Ah, very nice. Where he establishes a medical practice at his new family home at 2 Dalton Square. Excellent tea. Absolutely. Now, as we know, since he arrived in the UK, Dr. Ruxon has made great efforts to uh, assimilate himself into British society, changing his name. And he quickly acquires a reputation among his new patients as a very diligent and compassionate physician. He is well-respected, well-liked, and is incredibly popular within the community. He's even known to have waived his fees on several occasions for, for poorer people who couldn't afford a doctor, but he did it out of charity. Good now, this Well, exactly. This own, but this endears him further to the great and the good of Lancaster. Hurrah mm. for you, they say. The family settle in, and the following year, a second daughter, Diane, is born. And then in 1933, Isabel gives birth to a son named William. Now, it is after William's birth that the family decides that Isabel needs some more help around the house. And they employ Mary Jane Rogerson as a live-in housekeeper and nanny for the, for the three children. Uh, I see no way that this could go wrong. <laughs> well, when you we shall up... see what happens. <laughs> when you build up a story and then suddenly a nanny is introduced very much in the middle of the story, I'm thinking, hey. Well... Uh, maybe it's incidental. Don't we shall see. Buck may well have become a pillar of the community, mm. but his home life is is getting increasingly fraught Aww. with Isabella. His practice is flourishing, um, as he always hoped it would, but the, he spends more and more time visiting patients or locked away in his office, and as he does so, he becomes more and more suspicious that Isabella is having an affair. <gasps> with the maid? Well, who can say? But no. <laughs> <laughs> So I can say. Well, no way of knowing, except that we do. Except that we do and it's not. (laughs) His suspicions grow. He is an incredibly paranoid man. And it is reported that he frequently explodes into fits of rage um, or, or bouts of weeping hysteria. Um, and and self-pity so he swings between anger um, at his wife for cheating on him and then the next day he's he's crying his eyes out why don't you love me i love you why won't you stay i mean i I think that's understandable if you think your your spouse is cheating Mm -hmm. on you that yes you're going to be irrational irrational is exactly the word we need for this i also for a moment when you said he frequently explodes i was like oh that's extreme Yes. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And uh, yes, but his doctorly ways, he put himself, <laughs> put himself back, together, back together. So it's all good. It's all fine. He comes out and goes, Well, I did that myself. <laughs> I can live without you, you bitch. 
on several occasions, these arguments would actually prompt Isabella to pack her belongings um, and return to Edinburgh with the children. Love it, drama. Um, back to her family. Although the ensuing tearful phone calls from Buck in which he begged her to come back would eventually lead to her return to the house on Dalton Square. Now, we don't actually know for sure if Isabella was actually having an affair. It's very true that she was very popular around town. She had many, many friends that she would spend time with, go out with, go and socialise with. But we'd, it could well have all been in Buck's head. Mm. We just don't know. But he becomes increasingly erratic, accusing her of sleeping with pretty much anyone within a 20-mile radius. Oh, Jesus. Um, he is convinced that she is sleeping with everyone in town. Leads you to think she probably wasn't having an affair. Yeah. She's Indeed. just popular and she's a happy person. Exactly. She's 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 a young woman. She's, she's a, a young. She, yeah. She's and she wants to live a life. Absolutely. Yeah. So she's making friends and having a jolly time. But no, he's got to work at home and he's the one who's getting annoyed. On several occasions, the arguments get so loud and so screamy <laughs> that neighbours. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know why I went with that. Te- technical term. Yeah. Technical term. On yeah. several occasions, the arguments get so loud that the neighbours call the police. Um, no. to to attend on one of these occasions in 1933 isabella complains to the police that her husband has begun beating her when police question buck he denies he has assaulted his wife obviously, obviously alleging that isabella has been unfaithful to him as if that could be used as some sort of justification yeah, um, which is like no 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 on another occasion in april 1934 a policeman had again been called to the house following another quarrel um, and as soon as the officer arrives buck tells him sergeant I feel like murdering two persons. My wife is going out to meet a man. So again, with this narrative of his wife is cheating on him, and mm. whatever he does is justified because his wife is being unfaithful. Well, clearly the police walk away. The police do nothing. Absolutely. Uh. The police do nothing. On the evening of the 14th of September, 1935, Isabella leaves the family home to visit Blackpool with two of her sisters who live in the area. Uh, they've gone to see the famous Blackpool illuminations along the seafront, and they're, so they're out quite late. Um, Isabella doesn't leave Blackpool till around half 11, 11.30 at night, mm. and she gets back to the house in the early hours of the the morning at the house buck ruxton is waiting Mm. he is convinced that isabella has been out with one of her lovers he has spent the whole evening working himself up into a frenzy of of jealousy and paranoia and all sorts of horribleness as soon as she walks through the door he starts raging at her and eventually it leads to his hands around her neck and he strangles his wife into unconsciousness before stabbing her to death oh god oh god Good dark pretty quick there. Oh, oh, but Jesus. Now this comes... Stop, no, stop it. No. A new story. New, new story. St- <laughs> um, sorry. This is the story. Um, the commotion of the assault downstairs has woke, woken Mary Rogerson, the maid, yeah. who is asleep upstairs, and she ventures down to investigate what oh, is going on. Please make her the heroine of this story. Mary suffers the same fate oh! as Isabella. Um, she Likely, she has caught Buck in the act and she has to be silenced. I am so sorry, Mary. I <laughs> thought you were going to do a lot of comforting. No, oh. no. She ends up with the doctor's hands around her throat. It is now approaching dawn. Isabella and Mary are dead, strangled and stabbed. The doctor has regained some of his senses from his earlier fury and he decides that he needs to do something fast. The, soon the town is going to be waking 
um, and hiding his crimes are going to be all the harder when there are people out and about. He wakes the three children, who have thankfully slept oh, through God. the whole ordeal upstairs, and he bundles them into the car and right. races out of town. First, he stops at the home of Agnes Oaksley, a charwoman that they employ, um, yeah. telling her that she's not needed at the house for the next few days. Don't worry about coming in. It's all good. Definitely don't definitely, go in the house. Definitely don't go in the house. So the body's still in The bodies are still, <gasps> still, still there. <gasps> He continues on to the the home of a family friend, telling them that Isabella has gone to visit family in Scotland and would they mind awfully looking after the children for a few days. He's got to work. He's very busy. Could they take the children? I'm kind of glad the kids are okay. Absolutely. The the kids are fine. No harm comes to the children. But he's just driving around town going, definitely didn't kill anyone. By the way, don't go in the house and look after my kids and don't go in the house. Yes. This is pretty much exactly what it is. He returns to Dalton Square alone, and there he drags the two bodies to the bathroom. And in the bathtub, he carefully dismembers the two women. With these two grisly tasks complete, he goes about the house ripping up carpets from the stairs. Mm. Um, anywhere that has been stained with blood or anything, he, he removes all the evidence. Mm. At around half past four that afternoon, Ruxton visits the home of one of his patients, a Mrs. Hampshire, um, and asks both her and her husband to return to Dalton Square with him to help him prepare for the decorators. <laughs> Whoa, what? <laughs> so when Mrs. Hampshire arrives at, at Dalton Square... Great name, uh, by the way. Mrs. Hampshire. Mrs. Hampshire. Mrs. Hampshire. She does sound like an Enid Blyton character. She really does. Absolutely. <laughs> she 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 finds the house in in chaos, absolute chaos. Yeah. Um, carpet ripped up, wallpaper scraped off walls, all this sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm preparing for the decorators. I'm preparing for the decorators. No, not well, my yeah, friend. Not well, well, exactly. That's why he really needs help. She would later testify that all the carpeting had been removed from the stairs. Several sections of the flooring were littered with straw. Uh, what? <laughs> so I think he's thrown straw down well, to try and absorb the things what? and what have you okay again <laughs> absorb not remove stains and also why would that be a decorator's thing <laughs> don't think uh, he was thinking page. clearly about any of this in <laughs> in one room mrs hampshire discovers uh, several rolled up sections of carpeting and, and a stained suit in right. the garden, she finds a smouldering bonfire of more carpet and towels and cloths, uh, all burnt to a crisp. Now, before the Hampshires leave that day, as as a thank you for their help, um, Ruxton gives the couple the stained suit. What? Saying that they can keep it as long as they thoroughly clean it first. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, uh, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> Here, have this red stained suit. Have this suit. red stained suit, but. Do clean it before you wear it. Clean it. (laughs) That's a a shit gift. It's a shit gift. If you have just laboured all day. You know when a friend asks you around to paint their house? You expect a few beers or something. Imagine someone turned around and said, have this shitty suit. Now here's my dry cleaning. (laughs) (laughs) Is it expensive? No. No, No. not at all. Sure, your husband would love it once it's given a nice scrub. What kind of (laughs) passive-aggressive token must you take that Mm. as? You clearly need a suit, and this will probably do. That night, Ruxton loads his car with several tightly wrapped bundles um, and drives off. Um, And that was that. No one is any the wiser. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ruxton thinks he's in the clear. The fool. A couple of days later, he visits the police, claiming that his wife had once again deserted him. <gasps> she bitch. has run, left me. One of her lover's She's scarpered. Why is he telling the police Well, this? he's getting ahead of any missing persons sort of thing. So if someone says, oh, she's missing, okay. he, he has already been to the police and said, my wife has run away. <laughs> so Think it through, though. Oh, no, it makes no sense. <laughs> but in his mind, he is getting ahead of the, he's getting ahead of the game. He bursts into the police station. My wife has left my me. My wife has left me. That's not a crime, sir. No, she's run off again. So if anyone says she's missing, it's a filthy lie. It's all lies. Goodbye. Yeah. Would you like a suit? <laughs> he he also goes to visit the parents of Mary Jane Rogerson, the maid. Oh God, what does he say? What does he bring? Now there he tells them that the daughter has scandalously begun an affair with a local youth and become pregnant. Ooh. But not to worry, Isabel had agreed to discreetly take Mary away to get an abortion. They may be gone some time. Abortion is illegal, illegal. at the time. Absolutely. He's so, a doctor. And he's a doctor. But he's he sent them away. Isabel is looking after her far away. Now, Ruxton urges Mary's Ooh. parents not to contact the police about this. It, this is abortion. It is illegal. If they do, they're going to get their daughter in real trouble. It's clever. It's clever, but and it's calculating. Very and calculating. Very calculating. Yeah. It's a, it's a smart, horrible move. Yeah. And then all is calm. All is well in the world of Dr. Ruxton. Until <laughs> on the morning of the 29th of September, two weeks after the murders, a young woman, Susan Johnson, is out walking near the small Scottish town of Moffat. Hmm. On the banks of a stream, she notices a bundle of soaked clothes. Sticking out of this bundle is a partially decomposed human arm. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, Susan runs into town to alert the police. Soon the countryside is swarming with constables, mm-hmm. um, searching along the stream and its various tributaries, and there they discover three further bundles and two severed human heads. <gasps> He's just dumped them by the river. Dumped them by the river. By the river. Well, I think in the river, and they've got caught up on bundles and oh, stuff, on right. rocks and things, on boulders and things, as they <laughs> flowed down. Because I was wondering, we got to the river and went, nah, that's one nah. step too far. I'll just leave them discreetly <laughs> by the riverside. But yeah, he, got, he uh, but how big is a river Moffat? It's it's not it's not huge, but it's it's it sizable enough. It's a, yeah, but it, they so I think the theory was that things have got dumped in a bit further upstream. There have been heavy rains; they got washed down, and then they right. got wedged in boulders and rocks and things on their way, um, and just got stuck, and they didn't flow that's, all well, the that's way awful. through. That's awful. Now there's just body parts strewn. Yeah, absolutely, body parts Ugh. strewn around the place. On the first of October, a doctor Miller and a scientist named John Gallister examined the contents of the bundles. A scientist. A scientist batman not batman batman's a scientist no he's not (laughs) not in scotland (laughs) in In scottish laws not in scotland in 1935 he wasn't he was nearly he was nearly there there (laughs) 
They report that of the four bundles recovered during the initial search, the first was wrapped in a blouse and contains two upper arms and four pieces of flesh. Two upper arms. Oh, two, the bicep. Two, right. Yes. <laughs> two upper arms rather than the lower arms. You mean the legs. <laughs> no more peach tea for you. <laughs> I would not be good on a crime investigation uh, I, I, I agree entirely. <laughs> I am not a scientist. I'd call myself a scientist. The upper arms and the lower arms and the lower hands are visible. <laughs> the second bundle comprises of two thigh bones, two legs, two lower legs, um, <laughs> from which most flesh had been stripped and nine pieces of flesh, all wrapped in a pillowcase. Third was a piece of cotton sheeting containing 17 portions of flesh. The fourth parcel, also wrapped in cotton sheeting, consisted of a human trunk, two legs with the feet tied, and some wisps of straw and cotton wool. In addition, other packages opened to reveal two heads, um, (laughs) one of which was wrapped in child's rompers, and again a quantity of cotton wool and sections of the Daily Herald, dated 6th of August, 1935. Don't use the daily paper. Two forearms with hands attached, but minus the top joints of the fingers and thumbs, um, and several pieces of skin and flesh, were also wrapped in the Sunday graphic, dated 15th of September, 1935. Okay. Now they go on to say that the remains they put these pieces together. Yeah, and I'm, I've lost count of how many. There, was, there are lots there. and lots and lots of pieces there, but they jumbled them all together like some really disturbed. And there's actually one report. This man is known as the Jigsaw Killer. One, only one. A one, yeah, one paper picture. Yeah, that is a good name. And one paper, one journalist no. was just putting out there, the Jigsaw Killer. No one's going to pick this up? <laughs> Seriously? The the Limmy Struny Man by the River? <laughs> like, oh, come on. <laughs> No disrespect to the dead, but still, if the, imagine someone was putting it together. The same person who didn't know what the upper arm and the lower arm was. So you. Yes, <laughs> putting it together. Oh my God, it's a giant with two heads. It's clearly two people. No, they have six arms and one leg. Thankfully, the scientists were somewhat more learned. They do decide that the, <laughs> the, the remains are those of two females. Oh, thank God. Uh, notably different heights and ages, but that the mutilation conducted upon the remains had been committed by an individual with extensive anatomical knowledge ah. and had been done in a very obvious way to hide the identification of the, of the remains. Exactly. They are convinced that the mutilation had been entirely carried out with surgical implements. There were no axes or kitchen knives or anything like that involved. It's all with a scalpel. It's all incredibly precise. The murderer has removed the eyes, the ears, the noses, the lips and several teeth from both heads to make dental identification impossible yeah. and also to make facial drawings impossible. With no nose, no eyes, no ears, yeah. they cannot create composite sketches to try and identify these people. It would now, have been so much better if he hadn't just dumped them by the river. <laughs> why, well, it comes in later, but they think that he was hoping that these all these would be washed out to sea. No. Now, police begin to search the local area for reports of missing women, but soon they find that no one is unaccounted for. There's no one local who is who is missing, leading to speculation that now, as this river ran near a fairly major road, the killer could have come from miles and miles away up up the motorway and dumped the remains. Over mm. over the side of a bridge or something. The two bodies are transported to the anatomy department at the University of Edinburgh, where further examinations are carried out. They hire an entomologist from Glasgow University to come and examine the remains. Okay. And he, in, yeah, he examines all the insect activity 
around the body Ooh. in one of the very, very first times that sort of forensic entomology is used. Oh, that's great. Um, and Please from the, say he rocked up in a safari suit. That I, that I don't <laughs> know. I find it unlikely from the incredibly clever use of blowfly lava. Um, he is able to deduce that the remains are between 12 and 14 days old, which that is more is precise than anything has ever been before um, in <laughs> sort of the history of identifying. Oh, she's a bit squidgy, therefore months, months old. And this man comes along and goes, no, 12 and 14 days. I can tell by these scientific things. That's fascinating. Which is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Just by looking at the lava. The stages of the development of the various bugs and things. He has a safari suit on and a massive magnifying glass. <laughs> he has glass. a massive magnifying glass. He has the butterfly net <laughs> in his back pocket should he need it. Now, after they have got all the information they can from the actual remains, the experts turn their attention to the clothing and the papers that had been used to wrap up the body parts. Um, they find that several of the pages of the Sunday graphic in which the remains had been wrapped, had been, in fact, a souvenir edition of the newspaper, (laughs) which had been printed and circulated solely in the Morecambe and Lancaster area of England on the 15th of September. Oh, for God's sake! Strongly suggesting that the victims, or at least their murderer, lived in the northwest of England. (laughs) (laughs) They, They also found some of the clothing used in the bundles was very distinctive, with very colourful repair patches on the the now very bloodied blouse, but but something that someone would recognise if they were shown it. On the 1st of October, Mary Rogerson's parents visited Dr Ruxton at his practice, the maid's parents, they come. They have heard nothing from their daughter at all. Does he have any idea of where she is? Is she okay? On this occasion, he claims that Mary and Isabel had broken into a safe and stolen £30 before running off together. What? And they would return once the money runs out. What about the abortion, they ask? Wasn't that what she ran away for? Oh, yes, that too. Yes, yes, and that one too. They're both absolutely, completely fine and not at all dead. They're fine. (laughs) (laughs) They are beginning to suspect something maybe slightly awry. He just forgot his first cover he forgot, story. He forgot his first cover story, made something up. <laughs> so they are beginning to lose faith in the doctor's explanations yes. of their daughter's absence. The following day, they file a missing persons report with the Morecambe police. Now, when the police find out about this missing Mary Rogerson, they, they pay a visit to Mary's parents. Mrs. Rogerson immediately recognises the blouse with a patchwork repair as having belonged to her daughter. Ooh. They tell the police that they had last seen Mary on Saturday the 14th of September when she had visited on her day off. Looking into Mary's life, they discover that Mary's employer was the one and only Dr. Ruxton, a man who had informally reported his wife missing at exactly <laughs> the same time by running to the police station going, my wife's run away, and then leaving again. They think it is time to talk to Dr. Ruxton. But Ruxton gets there first. He arrives at Lancaster Police Station in a terrible state. Oh, absolutely terrible. He bursts into tears and complaining about all the local gossip that is quickly spreading about these remains that have been found in Scotland that are his wife and his maid absolute nonsense how could anyone think such a thing his wife and the maid they're perfectly fine he would know if they were dead he would feel it if they were dead (laughs) can they please stop put a stop to all these rumors it is incredibly damaging to his to his reputation and to his business it's not on that people are allowed to spread these rumors Unfortunately, it has brought somewhat of the opposite effect. And police are now entirely <laughs> convinced that this is the man they are looking for. Now they just need to prove it. Generally, when someone bursts into a police station going, I want to address these rumours. What rumours? <laughs> there are rumours. 
There are rumors that I killed my wife, and I won't have it. I am very sad. I'm going to cry now. Give it a minute. <laughs> they they speak to everyone in in Ruxton's life. They they find Agnes Oakley, charwoman, who confirmed that yes, Doctor Ruxton had come by very early on the fifteenth and told her that she would not be needed. But when she had returned, the place was in such a state: carpets ripped up, smouldering bonfire in the garden, and a horrible yellowish discoloration in the bathtub. Uh. It was devilishly difficult to scrub out. <laughs> it was. Speaking with the Ruxton's neighbours, police also discovered that the doctor had asked Mr. and Mrs. Hampshire to clean his house in preparation for this redecoration. Apparently, he was unable to do this work himself, as he had badly cut his hand opening a tin of peaches. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That's it. That's, that's it. it. Oh, come on. <laughs> I was so desperate for an ingredient <laughs> on this one. <laughs> it's like. He cut his hand on a tin of peaches. That'll do, that'll do, that'll do. That'll do, that'll do, that'll do. The peaches were the cry, the greatest poison of them all. Oh, a doctor man. and a can opener. It's a dreadful, dreadful thing. Exactly. I can't possibly do anything because I cut my hand on some peaches. Cut oh, my hand on. God's sake. The Hampshires are also quite happy to hand over the stained suit to the police. Um, they hadn't, go- they hadn't, got- hadn't yeah. worn it. They hadn't got around it. to cleaning it. So they're happy. No, he gave us this. You can have it. It's fine. <laughs> Anyone gives you something, they're going, that's fucking evidence. Exactly, I'm keeping it. goes in a bin bag. (laughs) On the evening of the 12th of October, Ruxton is arrested by Lancaster Police and questioned throughout the night. When asked to account for his whereabouts between the 14th and 29th of September, Ruxton produces a handwritten document entitled, My Movements. (laughs) (laughs) Which he he passes to the investigators before reciting word for word the document that he has just given them. He's memorised <laughs> it. Memor- he's written it, he's memorised it. And then he's handed it over. Yeah, this is my statement of my movements. Here's my movement. I mean, that could be misconstrued in many ways, obviously. It's just kind <laughs> of a doctor. No, don't tell us about that. Oh, that is good energy. I like that. <laughs> I like scripting. In for the performance of your life, my sirs. <laughs> In the following interviews, Ruxton denies that he has ever been to Scotland since establishing his practice in Lancaster. He's never even heard of Scotland. <laughs> However, he is unable to explain why his car registration number had been reported by a cyclist who had been knocked down by a speeding car um, <laughs> in a town near the Scottish border. Um, <laughs> he is also unable to explain why a police search of his house the previous day had revealed extensive traces of blood on the stairs. Mm. Um, not only on the stairs, but on the railings, on the balustrades, and the various carpets in various states of burntness. Moreover, he is unable to explain why traces of human fat and body tissue have been discovered within the bathroom drains. On the 13th of October 1935, Buck Ruxton is charged with the murder of Mary Jane Rogerson. A few days later, the charge of murdering his wife follows Isabella Kerr. Good. The trial opens on the 2nd of March 1936 at Manchester High Courts of Justice. The prosecution claimed that Ruxton, inflamed by jealousy and paranoia, has murdered Isabella Ruxton and Mary Jane Rogerson in the family home. That they had then discarded their bodies more than 100 miles away in the Garden Home Lynn Stream in the southern uplands of Scotland. Mm-hmm. Ruxton's counsel... Um, based their defence on the belief that the bodies had been misidentified and that the two bodies were not those of Isabella and Mary Jane at all, but two other poor individuals who remain unknown. They also claimed that the bloodstains found upon the suit, carpet and floorboards were merely a result of the house being used as a doctor's practice for several (laughs) years. 
people come and go all the time, bleeding all over the place, um, it's going to get on the carpet. So, what do you expect? People are coming in, just spewing mm. blood all over the place, all over his suit. And he never cleaned his suit. No. No, no, no. The carpets. Okay, we'll never get that He's out. He's a busy man. He hasn't got time for that. That's not a welcoming sight <laughs> if you are a patient into a doctor's house. Okay, come into the house of blood, by the way. No, no you just wait. It gets better. <laughs> <laughs> the prosecution called numerous expert witnesses outlining their case. And each of these are the scientists um, who no. have been involved in the identification go into great detail as to how they have reached their conclusions and how they have been tested and proved correct. Lovely. The defence counter this science with explanations of their own. Um, on one occasion, they state that the blood found on the balustrade within two Dorton Square could easily be explained. Easily. It may have accidentally spilled there during a birth in the house, potentially. Or maybe even from a woman on no. a menstrual cycle no. while she was visiting. No! <laughs> Both entirely possible explanations I think you'll find. Yes. Yes. I mean, Nick. You know, Nick. you ladies on your cycles, blood everywhere. Everywhere. I'm bleeding all over the balustrades. All on the balustrades. It's just absolutely, it's like a sprinkler system when it happens. That's what happens. You're walking down the street. Sorry, excuse me. It's from a birth? <laughs> from a birth. From a birth. But on the on the balustrade, on the, you would what? think maybe. How okay, was this on, child born? Yeah, on a bed potentially, if she was on a bed and something went slightly awry, yes, you would get blood or something. But on the <laughs> balustrade, on the staircase? Oh, that's so good. It's so good. I, that could have easily been from a woman's bits. Mm, absolutely. Let's blame it on them. Let's blame it on them. No one's going to ask too many questions. And all the men in the jury are like, yes, absolutely. 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 shoot out and then the blood sprays <laughs> 20 feet. That's how it works. Absolutely. I've seen it oh. in stories. <laughs> the sole witness to testify on behalf of the defence is Ruxton himself. <laughs> it is the defence's suggestion. They they believe that the doctor is going to be able to evoke some sympathy from the jury. It does not go particularly well. When asked questions, he falls into bouts of hysterical sobbing, um, clutching his silk handkerchief and hysterically claiming that he has last seen his wife when she had taken Mary Jane Rogerson to Edinburgh to arrange the abortion last time he had seen her she's alive somewhere he knows it he knows she is still alive like the silk handkerchief the silk handkerchief good detail very good very good (laughs) (laughs) he freely admits to frequently arguing with his wife over her alleged infidelity Mm. but he is happy to justify his mental and physical abuse to which he subjected his wife by simply stating who loves the most chastises most oh Oh, fuck Which him. makes me violently sick. <sighs> the trial of Buck Ruxton lasted 11 days. The judge gives his final instructions to the jury, saying that Ruxton must be given the benefit of any reasonable doubt that mm-hmm. may exist in their minds, adding, if there is an avenue, let him walk down it to freedom. But if there is not, he cannot. The jury deliberate for just over one hour before returning a verdict of guilty. Yes. Oh, thank God. I was really worried you were going to say not guilty <laughs> there. Buck Ruxton is sentenced to death. And when asked if there's anything left to say, Ruxton replies, I am very sorry. Before thanking the court for his patience and the fairness of his trial, the doctor then informs the judge of his intention to appeal the verdict. Hmm. 
Now, the people of Lancaster are horrified at this result. They cannot believe that such a kind and helpful man would do such a terrible thing. Surely the court had got it entirely wrong. We've seen it before. Um, the honourable, respectable absolutely. doctors. No, they wouldn't possibly do such thing. Blame the women. Blame the bleeding, spraying women. Absolutely. Isabel and Mary, they are still out there somewhere, living at large, having a grand Mm. old time. Over 10,000 people sign a petition asking for clemency. But neither the petition nor the appeal make any difference. Good. Oh, thank God. On the morning of the 12th of May, 1936, executioner Albert Pierpoint leads... Albert Pierpoint! Indeed. Leads Dr. Buck Ruxton to the gallows and to his death. The following day, a paper publishes Dr. Ruxton's confession. (gasps) It is brief, reading, I killed Mrs. Ruxton in a fit of temper because I thought she had been with a man. I was mad at the time. Mary Jane Rogerson was present at the time. I had to kill her. It It was dated the 14th of October 1935, the day after his arrest. It had been left with instructions that it was only to be opened in the event of his execution. What? Or returned to him should he be acquitted. Oh, that's... So, with his lawyer... That is cold. There, the area in and around Golden Home Lynn, where Ruxton had disposed of the dismembered body parts of Isabella Mm. and Mary, became known locally as Ruxton's Dump. Ruxton's Dump. The bathtub in which Buck Ruxton dismembered his two victims was removed from the house to be used as evidence at the trial. Now, unsurprisingly, it wasn't wanted back afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) So it was used as a horse trough by the Mounted Police Division at Lancaster County Police Headquarters. Oh, (laughs) sure. Sure. Why not? Why not? Just make use of it. Don't skip it. We can make use of that. A nice horse trough. The story of Dr. Bucker Ruxton. <laughs> oh! The Jigsaw Killer. The Jigsaw Killer is much better as a title than it really anyone is. has come up. Oh, Doctors, the greatest poison Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'll say Bastards, the greatest poison yeah, of them all. Yeah, he's high up there. Oh, the the Bastardometer hasn't come out for a while, but he's high up on there. He is awful. Oh, God. Wife beating. Ugh. Arrogant, arrogant. But there's some brilliant explanations in there. I, I, honestly, I am blown away. That he wrote the confession the day after he was arrested. Yeah, after and arrested. he just was, in, in the event of my death or in the event of a conviction, you can bring this out. What? Yeah. I, I'm speechless at that. We've never encountered that yet. Absolutely. Uh, there may be other cases of it out there. He fucking knew. He knew exactly what he was of doing. Of course he knew what he was doing. And he did this defense and he cried mm. and he sobbed and he let them lambast these women and paint them in awful lights. And then it was just like, oh, well, when it's all run out. Yeah, of course yeah, I did it. Of course it. I did it. Ooh, ooh, what a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> why, why, I mean, why he felt the need to write that is inter- I, I find quite interesting. I think it's arrogance. Well, I, think I, I think you're absolutely o- right. Owning your own fate. Yeah, owning your I own think fate. it's absolutely right. It's that, no, I, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's owning that and going, no, I did this. I am, I'm still the one in power type of thing. We, we've it's, seen in, in other cases of, unfortunately of doctors and it, it, it definitely not all doctors, but more often when you've got some of these killers, it is the arrogance behind it. It is, I have to control the situation. They're, they're often controlling with uh, the people they end up killing. They're trying to control their own narrative and the story behind it. Obviously, you're, it, there's one thing to defend yourself and there's one to create this whole persona. Yeah. And then still at the end, when you know, you know what, we, we don't buy it. We don't buy it. Then none of this has worked. And then you suddenly turn around going, ha ha ha, I, was, I knew I was guilty the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that, what? 
don't necessarily agree with the death penalty, but yeah, he gets his comeuppance, then just goes, oh, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah I did it. Did it after all. <laughs> but murdered and beat his wife and then murdered the maid because she wandered in on yeah, it. Absolutely. So it's not like it's a crime of passion that you can kind of go, oh, no, I didn't no. know what I was doing. You absolutely knew absolutely what was coming. Absolutely knew what was going on. And all of the stories around it. Don't run into a police station crying, yeah. going, my wife, by the way, if anyone asked, my wife hasn't left me. No one was asking you, yeah. mate. It's 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 nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I mean, I very nearly didn't do this one because as, mm. you, as, you, as you read through, it is a, a terrible story about this this violent, violent man who is horrendously treating his wife and who mm. murders his wife. But then you read on the next bits of just the, the the craziness that came afterwards. Yeah. Of the <laughs> the how the how he decided he was going to deal with this thing that he yeah. had he had done and the lengths he went to to try and I mean he drove a hundred miles to dump the bodies, <laughs> yeah. dismember the things and make up all these stories and tell different people different things mm. that, that he couldn't keep track of himself, that all these lies that he had made up. Mm. Um and that was just absolutely mad so i thought no it's a story that needs to be told <laughs> indeed and you know let's not forget we've said this many many times over you know this is a historic podcast predominantly we do try to find the humor in the situation we look at cases where there is some humor around it the act of murder and and why they do it is always tragic is always horrific and we're not trying to belittle that but sometimes you have to laugh Otherwise, it's life is too depressing. Absolutely, absolutely. You have to laugh at the explanations that people give later on because we are fortunate enough to be able to laugh at it now and go, this is ridiculous. The idea that a woman came into a doctor's surgery, she just sprayed all over bled the ba- balustrade. It bled everywhere. There was a birth and then you just come out, okay, and just wipe your hands on the balustrade. It's absolutely fine. There we are. The banisters. Slide down the banister. That helps with the birth. Absolutely. The baby shoots round and then you score 10 points <laughs> so <laughs> the arrogance of some of these killers you have to laugh at and Absolutely. you have to kind of go with you know what and you know screw you you got your comeuppance however we want to measure that comeuppance oh it's a good story nick <laughs> there are some gems in Absolutely. there well what do you think people what do you think about the jigsaw killer i mean that's such a good it is name it's one of the best ones we've had yeah i mean jigsaw is like the saw now isn't it that it's been used yes, absolutely. in, in, yeah, in, the saw in modern parlance is it is sure. there another is there another killer or serial killer that's got jigsaw as a name in real life uh, tell us if you know what do you think of all of the explanations i mean can you ever be sure that a woman hasn't bled secretly well, all over your house does it I lower love- the resale value <laughs> Like a haunting. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yes. What do you think of the case? What do you think of the motives behind it? Do you think... I, I mean, I think it's pretty bloody uh, cut yes. and dry. How far on the Barcelona should he be? Mm. Do you have? Are you keeping tabs of it? And do you have a placement that you'd like to share? Tell us what you think in the comments of any of the social media channels that you follow. Please share your thoughts with us, with friends. Talk about it online. Talk about it on Patreon if you're on there as well. But most, most, most importantly... For a very gruesome tale that is unfortunately not set in the Deep South and a hot continent. I apologise for that. Originated in a hot uh, area. You must mix up a lovely peach tea. Absolutely. It's, it's gone down a treat. Oh, that went down a treat. Absolutely. I can, I can imagine a big picture of that on a summer's day. And we need big picture drinks. Yes. I think that aren't sweet horribleness. Yeah. We, we go very heavy on the sort of the very short, sharp. Oh, well, I, that's my preference. I, spirit but uh, Spirit forward drinks. But I think, yeah, as we're moving into summer, yeah. lighter, longer, more ice, more refreshing. <laughs> Absolutely. So I will endeavour to go into the summer months like that. 
Sorry, I, you might have just heard me just go, <laughs> because I just said one of the words that actually makes me cringe. <laughs> Don't say it. No, I just said it and I managed and I was really proud of myself. And then I just went, Whoa. there's certain words I can't say. Most of you will know this. Tell us what you think. Mix up a peach tea and send pictures of you guys enjoying cocktails. And some of you have been sending some brilliant suggestions of cocktails as well. Mm. We would love to make them and come and join us on Patreon if you haven't already. And leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye.